Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today at Blue Springs Christian Church. Would you please stand as we just come into a time of worship before the Lord? I pray that you're you are doing well here together, whether you're joining online or here in person, we would love to hear from you. If you could please text new, if if you're joining us for the first time to this number, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And the same goes if if you're you're here in person or online, if you could text your name uh, to to that number as well, we would appreciate it. Let's worship the Lord together.
We know that all of our hope can be in Jesus Christ because of the work that he's done on the cross and through him and him alone, we're able to come into the presence of God, that we're able to, to have the salvation, the assurance of the Holy Spirit within us. So we sing this together, I've been held. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same, the prodigal return on my hope. so much for Jesus and the fact, Lord, that we've been washed clean by his blood. Lord, that he is the perfect spotless lamb. Lord, that, is, that has gone to the cross on our behalf. Lord, that we can have a true and right relationship with God the Father through him. Lord, all of our hope, all of our praise, all that we have, all that we owe, Lord, goes to you. Father, you alone are our hope. Father, you, you've washed us clean, Lord. You've wiped our slates clean. Lord, though we we're deserving of death. Father, you, you've paid that price. And Lord, that is why we sing today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? So very glad to see all of you here tonight and to know that more of you are joining us online. Um, I want to say thank you for being here, for worshiping. And I want to say thank you to those of you who call Blue Springs Christian Church your home and have chosen to partner with us financially. We ended uh, 2020 really, really strong. And while 2021 has started off a little slower, 
your faithful giving has allowed us to still reach out and share the love of Jesus with our church family, our community, and all throughout the world. If you do call Blue Springs Christian Church your home and you'd like to participate financially, you can uh, go to our church's website, bscc.org, and give online there. You can text the word give to the number on the screen. You can mail a check to the church office, or if you're here, there's boxes by the entrance and exit that you can drop your offering off at. One of the ways, though, I am most thankful for our church family to give and to participate is by giving of your time and your talents. And we have so many opportunities coming up at Easter. We are expecting a lot of guests here on campus and online, and we're going to need a lot of help. If you would like to be a part of welcoming guests to our campus, either physically or virtually, you can go to the church's website and on the Easter volunteer, just sign up for what you would like to do and when you can do it. We would love to have your help. If you are interested in possibly becoming an online host and greeting our guests and uh, church members online, you can send a private message on Facebook or reach out to Almeida Smith or myself. There are so many other ways beyond just Easter for you to participate and serve coming up in the next month. We have Adopt a Highway. We have Feed a Teacher. We have an incredible opportunity for families to help clean up a park here in Blue Springs. All the details are on the event page at Blue Springs Christian Church. Just head there and please see where you can participate and engage our community for Jesus. Last but certainly not least, if you are new here tonight, whether online or in here or new here any other time you're seeing this video, we would love to know. If you would just text the word new to the number on the screen, we will get back in touch with you to let you know a little bit about us and to get to know a little bit about you. And if you've been here one other time or a hundred other times, we would still like to know because it's hard to recognize you with the mask and it's really hard to see in the camera and see exactly who's watching online. So if you would just text your name to the same number, we would love to know that you're with us right now. So sit tight. Dave's going to be up here with another great message in our 1KC uh, series, and we're going to learn more about becoming like Jesus. Well, hi, BSCC. Uh, I want to say it's a joy to have each of you joining us online. Uh, so glad that you could be with us in this time of worship, and it's certainly wonderful to be with everybody here in the room as well. I did want to let you know uh, that we are going to be ending our Thursday worship services after April the 1st. And let me share with you, you know, why we've, we're doing that. Uh, first of all, Primarily, our online worship services have been accomplishing the same kinds of things that we initially had in mind when we started the Thursday service. But then also, we're asking our worship ministry, our musicians, and all of our technical teams, our volunteers and staff to, to begin rehearsing new songs and preparing to, to start offering our 8 o'clock service again on Sunday mornings. And so I wanted to let you know that, and I wanted to thank everybody who's come out, come out and support our Thursday uh, service so much for, for doing that. Also wanted to let you know that Sunday night, we're going to be having our next night of worship and prayer. And uh, we, we are dependent upon the power of God. We, we know that it is only through his power that his kingdom is advanced. And we, we know there's a relationship between the people of God gathering together for prayer and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the power of God at work.
So please come out and join us. We're going to be right here in this room Sunday for an hour of prayer and worship and just seeking God together. And that's going to be a, a wonderful service. And the last thing I wanted to mention was just that, hey, a reminder, Easter's only two weeks away. And uh, we're going to have five services over Easter weekend. All five are going to be the same. All five will be online as well as here on campus. But with limited seating in our worship center, we're going to ask our BSCC family to spread out among those five services. And we're doing a couple of special events that I want to let you know about to try to encourage our families to come out on Thursday night and on a Saturday afternoon. So Thursday night for our service, starting at 6.15 in the lobby, we're going to have a Seder meal exhibit. And that's just going to be a great uh, learning for everybody who can come out for Thursday night about the Passover meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples the night before his arrest as he introduced the Lord's Supper. And there's such a rich history and meaning, really a foreshadowing that the Passover meal was to, to Jesus and his death. And so you'll be able to learn about that and, and then come and worship here on Thursday night, April 1st at, four, at, uh, at 7 o'clock. Saturday then, our, our worship service for Easter weekend is going to be at 4.30. But we're going to have a scavenger hunt that's hosted by our next-gen ministry at 3 o'clock. And that's going to be a lot of fun for families, individuals that want to come out and enjoy that and then attend the 4.30 service. And then, as I mentioned, we're, we're beginning our 8 o'clock worship service on Sundays again starting the 28th of March. So on Easter morning, uh, April 4, we'll have an 8 o'clock service. We need about 200, 230 BSCCers to come out and support that 8 o'clock service. And by doing those things then, we feel like we will have some open chairs at 9.30 and 11 for, you know, for families, new families, guests that, that will be coming probably at those two times in particular. And so I just want to thank BSCCers for kind of thinking about, okay, how could we help in spreading out the attendance there during our five services over Easter? Well, we have been working our way through the Gospel of Mark in preparing for Easter and just learning the story that Mark gives us of, of Jesus Christ. And we've been learning that, that there is a hope that is very real that Jesus offers every one of us that's able to totally cheer us up on the inside, no matter what's going on in our lives as we come to know Jesus and, and follow him and, and give our lives to him. And the part of Mark's gospel that we're going to be looking at in this message, what Jesus does is he really redefines for us how you win in life. And Jesus, through his teaching, shows us what it looks like to win. He, he, he frees people with his teaching. He, he frees people from, from things like bitterness and resentment. He frees people from, from, from loneliness and, and, and from lust and from greed and, and so many things. Frees us up to be able to really win in life as, as God intends us to live. And he just... He just comes right out with his teaching and in a very practical and, and really transforming kind of a way, teaches us, you know, here's how God intends for us to, to think, to act, to relate to each other, and, and to live. And the section from Mark's gospel that we're going to be looking at in this message, which starts in chapter 9, verse 30, through chapter 10, verse 52, what Jesus does is he really deconstructs the world's scorecard and he gives us a whole new scorecard for how to, to see you know, life and how we're doing and whether we're winning in life. But before we begin to get into those verses, I want to tell you a quick story. It's about a, a guy named Ryan Hoover. And Ryan Hoover played professional basketball for 17 years in Italy. And his, his nickname was El Sadato, which means the soldier, because he was just fearless and, and, and relentless on the basketball court. But something that Ryan had to learn, and anybody playing in that league, was that, that the media would give a score for every player in the paper, they would publish it the next day. It was a score from 1 to 10. And so we've got a, a, a scorecard, just an example there. And, and if you'll see there, next to his name, he's got a 4. So he got a 4 for the scorecard in that game. But actually, he 
was he played great defense against the leading scorer from the other team in that game, and their team won, and this other team they beat was like at the, at the top of the league, so it was, it was a great win for him. And so what players like Ryan had to do was they had to decide, okay, am I going to value the media scorecard of me or am I going to value my coach's scorecard and what what my coach has to say? Because, of course, the coach would have a game plan. The coach would talk to each of the players. Here's what you need to do to help our team win. And players just had to decide which scorecard am I going to follow and and really value. And that would be kind of hard uh, because, you know, the media would have a different scorecard. They they wouldn't necessarily know the game plan that the team had or what the coach had told to the players that they need to be focusing on. And the idea is that you and I are given a scorecard at birth, really, by our world. That there's, There's a scorecard that we get kind of graded on every single day in our lives. And that, that scorecard is filled up with things like, you know, uh, who do you know, where, where do you live, where, where do you work, where do you go to school, what, 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 what do you own, what do you look like, all, all these kinds of things. And, and, and this scorecard that the, that the world gives to us, it's really based on having the right kind of portfolio, the, the, you know, having the right connections in your life, having the right resources and possessions and all these kinds of things. And again, we get graded every day by the world on this scorecard, but we don't have to, we don't have to value it. We don't have to own it ourselves. And in the passage that we're going to be looking at from Mark's gospel, Jesus basically teaches the disciples and and teaches us that he's got a totally different scorecard that he has in mind for us. And he, he, he just rips up the disciples' scorecard piece by piece and, and, and teaches them a whole new scorecard by which to live their lives. And it really starts where Jesus is walking along the road with the disciples and he's t- teaching them about how he's going to get arrested, he's going to die, but then three days later he will rise again. And the disciples, they didn't fully get what he was talking about, but, but they got a part of it, and, and, and it led to an argument. Let, let me read this here to you, starting at verse 33 from Mark's gospel. They came to Capernaum, but when Jesus was in the house, he asked the disciples, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Now that, that seems kind of crazy because Jesus has just given them some very shocking and sobering news that he's going to be dying. And they're arguing about who's the greatest. Now, what, what, so why would they be doing that? I think this is about succession. I think this is about their thoughts on, on you know, a transfer of power that, you know, who's going to be stepping in? If, if Jesus is leaving, who's going to be kind of taking that role in, in their team, in their, in their group? Well, it would be the one who is the greatest among them. And that, so that would, that would be the one who, I guess, had the most possessions or had maybe the most, most connections with people in authority or, uh, I mean, I don't know how they rated it, but Jesus uses it as a teachable moment. And here's we be, where we begin to learn about his scorecard. Verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anybody who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And Jesus is like, guys, I got a completely different scorecard than the world. You're talking about being the greatest. If you want to be the the greatest, the first, that means you put everybody else in the line ahead of you and you become the servant of everybody else. And so we're going to build over the next few minutes, this scorecard that Jesus gives to us of what it looks like to win. And we're going to compare it then to the world's scorecard. And as we do this, I want you to be thinking, okay, which scorecard have I really been using in my life? And so here's the first part, that the world's scorecard is about power. Jesus' scorecard is about being a servant we just we just read that and so as I kind of thought about you know who this might be or who we might lift up here at BSCC the person who came to my mind is is Marvin Yackel and we got a picture of Marvin that we're going to put up he's first because he's a servant I mean, he's just serving all the time around here. Our staff loves him because he's always fixing things. He's always helping our staff with facility issues and things like that. 
So to be first, Jesus would say, is to be like Marvin. Now, from there then, the disciples find out about this guy who has been using the name of Jesus to do ministry, but he's not a part of their team. He's been, you know, casting out demons and, and, and doing mighty works of God. But, but the disciples come to him and they say, hey, you need to stop that because you're not a part of our team. Jesus hears about that. And he's like, okay, here, here's another teachable moment with you guys. Verse 39, do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever's not against us is for us. Here Jesus exposes the world's obsession with competition. And he says, that's not what my scorecard is about. My scorecard is about affirmation. And so church, let me just say, we're, we're never in competition with any other church or ministry that has you know, followers of Jesus that, that are looking to accomplish the mission that Jesus gave to his church of, of making disciples. If another church has a victory, that's a win for BSCC. Because we're on the same team. There's only one church. And that's a big part of what this one campaign that we're participating in now is about. Well, from there then, in Mark's gospel, what happens next is some of the religious leaders try to get Jesus caught up in this very contentious debate going on about divorce. And some of the rabbis were teaching that a man could divorce his wife really for any reason. You know, if she, she burned the dinner, he could divorce her. If he saw some other woman he thought more attractive, he could, he could divorce. All he had to do was give her a certificate of divorce and she would have no recourse. She would have no rights. She would have no resources. She would have no representation in the courts. And so Jesus, he, he, he answers and he speaks into this volatile issue here with, like he always did, just perfect wisdom and love. Let me read to you what he had to say. But at the beginning of creation, Jesus said, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And not only does Jesus reinforce the beauty and the majesty, the mystery, really, of, of the marriage covenant between a man and woman, he, he points out that men and women are of equal value in the sight of God, as he quotes Genesis 1.27, where it says, you know, at the beginning, God made both male and female, you see. And so what he does here is he, he takes the world's scorecard of really being dismissive. Husband can be dismissive toward his wife and he replaces it with dignity. And you know, I, I think many people are, are just uh, troubled greatly by the hostility and the anger and the violence that seems to be so prevalent in our society right now. And I think a big part of it has to do with this worldly attitude that says, if I'm not in agreement with you, I'm just going to dismiss you, you see. But I love the way that Jesus always treated everyone with great dignity, even the religious leaders. And they would go, go back and forth and he would kind of give them a hard time. But it was because he, he loved them. He, he, he wanted to save them from themselves. And he, he wanted to, to, to help them. But on his scorecard, dignity was very much a part of winning. Showing every human being the dignity that they, they deserve being made in the image of God. Next then, the disciples... Uh, have some, some parents that try to bring their little children to Jesus, that Jesus might pray over them and bless them. But the disciples, they try to you know, shoo, the, shoo the kids away. Why, why, why did they do that? Because in the disciples' mind, they're like, you know, these kids, they, they can't help out in the fields. They, 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 they can't help out in the marketplace. They really have no value. And children in that day were kind of the lowest on the, on the rung on the ladder. They had no status at all. And, and Jesus, he responds by saying to the disciples, I have a different score. And he actually gets very upset about this. Let me read this part of Mark's gospel. This is over in chapter 10. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. 
And he said to the disciples, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. And here Jesus takes the world's scorecard of hierarchy and he replaces it with humility. And again, the disciples just did not think the children were really high enough up on the ladder to be able to have a, 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 a moment with Jesus and, and to be able to, to be with Jesus. And so Jesus says, I, I, I'm going to teach you about really what hierarchy looks like in the kingdom of God, that at the top are those who are humble, those who are like I don't care about notoriety. I, I don't care about my status. I'm just concerned about helping everybody else feel like they are, you know, the, the guest of honor in the room, that they are the, the special one in the room, this, especially anybody who is, seems to be, you know, feeling very lowly, very low and very feeling rejected or, or marginalized, you see. This is, this is the scorecard of Jesus, you see. As he lifts up humility as being what it looks like to win. Next then, in this part of Mark's gospel, a rich man comes up to Jesus and asks him, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And they have a little conversation about the Ten Commandments. Then Mark writes that Jesus looks at this man with love in his heart for him, and he says these words. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now this blows the minds of the disciples because in their mind, a wealthy person lacked nothing. That if you had riches, well that meant that God favored you. And it had never dawned on them that richness could actually cause impoverishment in a person. That, that wealth could actually keep somebody from knowing and experiencing the greatest treasure of life, you see. And so, in one stroke, Jesus declares that the goal is not prosperity, but generosity, you see. J.K. Rowling, before she wrote the Harry Potter books, was a, was a single mom that dealt with you know, hardship and dealt with struggle and, and her first manuscript there of, of the, uh, the books, she wrote a good bit of it on, on, on free um, napkins that, uh, that she, she was able to use there. Now, she went on to become the world's first billionaire author. And that landed her on Forbes' list of the wealthiest people in the world. But eventually they had to take her off that list. Not because she squandered, you know, millions and millions of dollars in, you know, reckless living or poor investments or anything like that, but because of her generosity. Because of how much of her money she gave to organizations that help, you know, single parent families and for the welfare of children and illiteracy and things like that. And so when she was asked about her generosity, let me read to you what she said. You have a moral responsibility when you've been given far more than you need to do wise things with it and to give intelligently, she said. Now, my guess is we probably don't have any billionaires participating in this worship service, but I bet we have many participating that have more than, than we need, that our gracious God, our generous God has given to us. And so Jesus just teaches us here, the goal is not you know, prosperity, but it is, it is generosity. Well, there's one more teaching that I want to share with you from this section of Mark's gospel. And again, it starts with the disciples in an argument with each other, and I'll spare you the details about it. But Jesus, at a, at a certain point, is like, guys, I'm going to have to call a timeout. Let's huddle together as a team. We need to go over the game plan again. That's kind of what he's doing here. Let me read it to you. 
Verse 42 and following. Jesus called them all together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here Jesus teaches us that, that we're not to lead positionally, but we're to lead sacrificially. We're to lead like Mother Teresa, you know, who poured out her heart to help the poorest of the poor in the slums of Calcutta. We're to, we're to lead like William Wilberforce, who leveraged his power and his influence and just did all that he could to abolish slavery. This is what it looks like really to lead in the kingdom of God, to, to lead according to the scorecard of Jesus. So what I want to do then is just review with you this scorecard that we find in, in these verses in, in Mark's gospel and just compare it against the world's scorecard and talk a little bit about this. So let me, let me just come over here because I want to talk a little bit about the world's scorecard. And I want you to think about your life. And I just want you to think about the world. I, I, I don't care really what context you use, what issue you think about, what topic comes to mind, what organization you want to think about. But I want you to think about about it related to the world's scorecard. So, I mean, it could be the political realm. It could be... Um, our civic you know, institutions, it could be the place where you work, it could be BSCC, our church family, it could be your family, your marriage, it could be uh, you know, social media, I, I don't care what topic you use, but do you see the world scorecard at play as you think about that area? And you look at those words and that definition of what it looks like to win, you know. What, what's the result whenever we use the world's scorecard? Well, things like, you know, power plays go on, go on you know, bullying and, and uh, uh, division, injustice, these kinds of things ultimately leads to the horrors of war and, and genocide and, and things like that. But let's, let's get more personal and think about our own individual lives. Has anybody ever used the world's scorecard to rate you and grade you? you ever, anybody ever given you a four or maybe a zero in that way? Have you ever used the world's scorecard in some way to sort of get a higher score, or use somebody or mistreat somebody to, to get a higher score? I'll just tell you personally, any time that I have, have used this scorecard... I found it, it doesn't really work. I mean, it, it, it doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring contentment. It doesn't bring vibrant relationships. It doesn't bring any kind of growth. Not, nothing really good. And I've shared before about a time where I, I, I got into a pretty big conflict with one of my sisters. And, and as I thought about that, I, I, I realized how much of the world's score, scorecard was at, at play in that situation because I was, I was dismissive toward my sister. I was definitely very competitive with her. There was a power struggle that was going on between us in that issue. And it just, it just did not sit well at all with me, and I'm sure with her. But fortunately, the Holy Spirit just kind of kept tugging at me. And I prayed about it, and I thought about Jesus, His example, His teachings, and I called my sister up and I asked her to, you know, to forgive me. I apologized. I humbled myself. I, I affirmed her position on the matter. And she responded in, in a very Christ-like way. And we got to a point where we were able to say, hey, let's work together in, in solving this problem. And I, and I know it doesn't always happen that easily or you know, that quickly or end in that kind of a result. 
But, but Jesus' scorecard definitely enabled my sister and I, you know, that, that loss that we were experiencing to, to turn that around into to a win. And, and whenever we use the scorecard that Jesus gives us, we, we, we win regardless of maybe what the outward results look like. We, we win. And so I want to ask you three questions here at this point. First of all, I want to ask you, what, what characteristic of the world scorecard would you say, I, I, I need to reject that. that that's been, that's in, been in my rating system. And, you know, I, I, you know, power, competition, being dismissive toward others, having this kind of hierarchy and prosperity, you know, being what, it, what it's all about and, or, you know, positional leadership, those, that, that kind of outlook. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now as you think about the world's scorecard? Second, then let me ask you, what characteristic of Jesus' scorecard would you like to see more of in your life? Would you, would you say, I, I really want to embrace that more in the way I see, am I winning and how I'm living? And You know, our staff here in 2021, we've been learning about kind of building into our culture some staff values. And one of those values is play for the team. And so we did a training just a couple weeks ago on this value. And we came away from it with a question that we want to have on our minds, we want to have in our hearts and on our lips toward one another as we work together as a staff. And the question is this, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? How can I serve you? How can I be of help to you? That, that's, that's a win right there. That, that's, that's what Jesus' scorecard says, is, is, is how you win as a team. And I just love for us, not just as a staff, to be relating to one another and, and, and asking this question to one another more and more. What, 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 you know, what can I do to help? But as a church, if as a church we would just walk around and relate to each other in such a way that we we're saying, what can I do to help? What, what can I do to help? You see? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be incredible? And then the third question is this. What, what team do you play for? Jesus, after he talks with the rich man, he turns to the disciples and he says, you know, it is very difficult for a wealthy person to see their need for God because money just seems to be able to provide for so many of their needs. And he says, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy person to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. And this shocks the disciples. Let me read about this. Mark writes, the disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other, who then can be saved? That's the question I want to get to here. Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at him and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, you see, with God. And so please hear me, because I, I believe one of the things Jesus wanted to say to you in this message, in this time of worship, was this. That Jesus wanted to say to you, I want you on my team. I gave my life for you, that you would be on my team. When I look at you, I don't see a four, I see a ten. I see a flat out ten. And because Jesus Christ humbled himself, and he gave up the glories of heaven, and he took on the role of a servant, and he was obedient to the Father, to the point of sacrificing himself on a cross, that you and I might be able to be forgiven of our sins as a substitute, as a payment for our sins. It made it possible, you see, for every one of us to be saved and to become a part of his team. And so I just want to say that if, if you would like to talk with one of our ministers here at BSCC about saying, hey, Jesus, I want to change teams. I, I want to get on your team. We're going to put a number up on the screen. I would just invite you to take your phone and text the word response. Just response to that phone number. And I just want to ask you, in love, I want to ask you, do you want to win? Because this is how we win right here. This may be the moment for you. I want to be on your team, Jesus.
I want to be in your family, God. What's impossible for me is possible for you, God. And I welcome that grace and I welcome that love and that sacrifice, Jesus. And I just want to remind the rest of us, church, we follow the one who says, I, I, got, a, I got a whole different scorecard for you. You want to be first? You be last. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of heaven like a little child in dependency upon God in surrender to God will never enter the kingdom of God. We give our life to him. If you want to be the greatest, you, you be the servant. You put everybody else in the, in the line ahead of you and serve everybody, you see. This is the scorecard of Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And church, this is what it means to win. Let's pray together. We want to win, God, in your eyes. Because to win is to honor you. To win is to, is to fulfill the very reasons why you created us and gave life to us. And we know this is impossible apart from Jesus. This is impossible apart from you, God, because we have all sinned and fallen short. But Jesus, you came to free us. You came to give us life you came to invite us to join on the team and the family of God and to live for you. We welcome that. I pray that you will do a mighty working in every one of our lives, that we would reject the world's scorecard and embrace your scorecard, Lord Jesus, into our lives. Do this work in us, Holy Spirit, we pray for your glory. In the name of our Savior, Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing together. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, do every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more.
the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Come on, church, we see. they were many but his mercy is so much more isn't that an amazing truth just to know that 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 no one is too far from God that he has made his way to us in in such a way that that each and every one of us can enter into his kingdom rich or poor strong or weak each one of us have to have an opportunity to to have a relationship with with God through Christ and his sacrifice and that's what we're going to remember together here as we conclude our time of worship and and just a time of communion if you could please be seated. And if you're joining online, we want to enjoy, uh, we want to invite you into this time of communion as well as we just remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And so if you would please grab your cup and remove the top and we're going to just eat in remembrance of the body that was broken. same way, let's also drink in remembrance of his blood. Father in heaven, we thank you Lord, for the fact that your mercy truly is more than our sin, Lord. Lord, grace that is greater than our sin. Father, we're so undeserving of your love and your mercy towards us. Father, we know that we can be rich in your kingdom, Lord, not through treasures on earth, Lord, Lord, but in faith, faith like a child. So, Lord, help us to walk simply in faith this week as we go about our ways. Father, help us to devote and and surrender each and every part of our lives in an act of faith and an act of worship to you. Lord, help us to be like those children, Lord, as as we just humbly walk and, and seek your will for our lives. Father, thank you that your mercy is, is truly greater than our sin. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We pray that you have a wonderful week. We're going to go and dismiss. Uh, we do want to invite you this, this Sunday night. Uh, you won't want to miss this night of worship. It's going to be a special experience for us all. And we hope that you're able to make that uh, with us on Sunday night. We pray you have a great week. We're going to have an usher come and dismiss you. Bye-bye.
Thank you.